Yeah, week two, joyride. So we're back into this, uh, into Philippians today. And uh, let me just ask you this question as we get started. So summer travel is upon us. So if you had an option, fly or drive, what would it be? Tell somebody next to you, fly or drive, okay? All right, where are my fly people? Apparently, flying is not the best option these days. If you probably by now you've heard the United story, right? The guy gets dragged off the plane. Leave it to the internet to make light of a difficult situation. And so Southwest, they took advantage of the opportunity to remind we beat the competition, not you. There you go. I mean, clever marketing, right? Hire that marketing person right there. All right, here's the Hunger Games fans. Welcome to United Flight 3411. We still need three more volunteers. Who's it going to be? Who wants to volunteer as tribute? All right. The new travel pillow that you can get on United Flights can never be too safe. All right. And finally, this is probably the best one. This lady tweets, hey, at United, my ex is flying from Atlanta to San Antonio, flight 2145, row 12, seat D. Do your thing. (laughs) Hashtag new United Airlines mottos. There you go. So... (laughs) So flying might not be the best option these days. At least, you know, be careful um, what airline you might pick. Um, But uh, road trips aren't always uh, fun and games either, right? Like uh, road trips, how many, where are my road trip people at first? Okay, I think I would answer road trips mostly because, like, I like to feel like I'm in somewhat of control, even though I'm not. And uh, so I like to drive, and I get real excited about road trips. You know, you get the road trip snacks together. You're, like, so excited about the trip that you're about to be on. So it's all fun and games, like, at the beginning of the road trip. And so um, I love road trips. This is why I suggested to our staff a few years back when we went to an exponential conference in Orlando, guys, let's road trip. Like, what brings people together more than, like, road trips, right? And so you're like... Yeah, but it also could have the opposite effect, right? And so we're like, we'll try it. We're going to drive, what, 14 hours, cake, no big deal. And so we set out on this road trip. We get to Steven's house early, and it's already from the beginning, like, we're running late, right? And so we get up super early. We're like, we're going to be out at, like, 5. You know how this goes. And then somebody's still packing. I can't remember who at this point. It wasn't me. I can tell you that. Like, I was ready. I was road tripping. I had my snacks together. Like, let's do this thing. And so we jump in the car, and Steven is, of course, he volunteers. He's like, I'll drive first. I'll take the first leg. And so I'm like, that's cool. You know, we finally get out and on the road and ready to go. And there's just this anticipation for the trip, right? You're like, this is great. And so we take off, and we're about an hour and a half, okay? Specifically, we're at um, almost to Lexington, all right, between Georgetown and Lexington, when everybody in our car, including Stephen, fell asleep. So slowly but surely, right, like everyone's like falling asleep, and then all of a sudden, we're rudely awakened to the sound of like the, the side, you know, the little side with all the little bumpy things, and we're just riding up, like, and we're like, we all jump up, we're like, what's going on, you know, hearts racing, and just in enough time to get us like back on the road, um, you know, Steven's like, like he tried to play it cool, you know, like, oh, just, you know, everything's good, guys, you know, like totally fell asleep, you know, so. We survived that only to um, get to watch Disney movies for the next 10 hours, right? Because Aaron, like, Aaron sings to every single one of them. Like, I'm like, I kind of wish it had ended back there in Lexington a little bit, just, just a little. 
like somebody let me out of here, you know? And uh, that's I'm so like all that anticipation for the drive. Like if we're gonna watch another Disney movie, I'm taking my shoes and socks off, all right? And I'm propping them up on Aaron's seat, my feet, and she's just gonna have to deal with it. I'm gonna open up some beef jerky, right? I'm gonna totally be that guy on the road trip. And so before long, this nice fun trip starts to get tiring. We're like, are we there yet, right? Are we there yet? And I say all that to say that sometimes the journey can be a little bit rough, right? Sometimes the journey can be a little bit tiring. And so let me just ask this question. I just want you to think about this one. Don't answer uh, to somebody next to you. Um, but just think, what, if you were to describe life, and you think about life right now, the journey of life, what would be a word that would describe where you're at today? Just think about that. Well, what's the journey like for you today as you come in here? For some of you, I bet that the answer would be, it's just exciting. There's some great things happening, and there's a lot of joy in this season of life, from new babies to graduations to being out of school for the summer, and there's just a lot of joy surrounding moments like this. For some of you, maybe there's been an unexpected loss, and you're just reeling, and you would describe it more as just tough. Like, life is just tough right now. The journey is tough. For some of you, it's been a real rough ride. You're like, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I wish that, like, it would stop, right? I wish that there would be a new road ahead, a new beginning. And so um, life is just can be difficult, right? The journey can be really tough. It can be, it can be hard. But it's a good life. It really is, and throughout this series, our goal has really been to say, how can we make the most of the journey? How can we really like Aaron, right? How can we be singing those songs all the way down? I'm like the guy, get me out of the, but how do we, how do we really embrace the moment? How do we live life in such a way? Especially when it gets rough, especially when the ride gets bumpy. And if we could look to anybody, it really is Paul, who we've been looking at Philippians here. And Paul is the author, and he writes to the Philippians. And there's no better person to really speak to us on joy. And there was something that he learned that some people and some of us will never master. The truth is, some of us will never grab hold of this truth. I hope we all do. But this is not an easy truth to master. And he writes in Philippians here, this is a great theme verse for this series, is I've learned how to be content find joy, whatever I have, know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And that's a difficult way to live our lives, right? That's a difficult place to get to. But we know by Paul's example and by the truth of the text and the scripture here that it is possible it is possible that despite the rough ride, despite the bumpy ride, despite the ups and downs and the twists and turns of the road, despite whatever driving conditions you might find yourself in today, it is possible to make it a joy ride, to really squeeze life for all that it's worth. And that's what we're talking about today. And as we look at Paul and as we step back into the book of Philippians, just we're reminded of the fact that Paul was not sitting on a beach with a pina colada in his hand when he's writing about joy. Everything's not going perfect for Paul, right? It's not easy for Paul. He, in fact, he's, on, he, he's in jail once again, and this time it's pretty much on death row. And still, he's filled with joy, and joy just exudes from the words that he speaks. And it's been a bumpy ride, it's been a rough ride, it's been a tiring ride, but Paul continues to find joy amidst the challenge. And so if anybody could speak to us about being joy-filled travelers, it's Paul. He's been through it all, you name it. He still finds joy in the journey. So today what I want to do is let's turn to Philippians 1. 
We're going to look at Philippians 1, verses 20 through 26, pick up where we left off from last week, and really ask the question, based on Paul's example and instruction, how can we make sure that we really make the most of this joy ride? How can we get on the ride and enjoy the ride through the ups and the downs, just like Paul did? And there's some things that we learned from his example. Let me pray for us as we get into the text here and invite God to speak. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together each week. We thank you for the truth of your word that has the ability to, to shape us, to change us, God. We pray that you would inspire us and call us to this life of great joy today. Speak to us through your text. Speak to us through the example of Paul and through his instruction. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> that might happen from time to time today. All right, so here's how it reads. In Philippians 1, verse 20, he says this. Paul says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, uh, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am going to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So a lot's happening here, but at the very onset of the, the section that we're looking at today, Paul says, yes, and I will rejoice. He declares it as, I, I will. I'm going to continue to choose joy. I'm going to continue to choose joy, and here's how. And so the first statement that he makes, and this is really our scripture verse for today, I'm, I'm going to help you memorize it before we even like, move beyond right now. Okay, You're about to just memorize the scripture. You ready? To live is Christ, to die is gain. All right? So say it with me. To live is Christ. To die is gain. And this is really Paul's life anthem, right? To live is Christ, to die is gain. That would make a sweet tattoo, right? It would make a, maybe a nice little you know, blurb for your Instagram bio. To live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, this is a cool statement, but to, to Paul it was so much more than an anthem. It was so much more than just this simple declaration for him. This is what he was about to say, to live is Christ. If you know anything about Paul's backstory, what you know is that he murdered Christians. He was a murderer. In fact, Paul would, before would say to live is Paul. It was all about Paul. And he had prominence. He had prestige. He had climbed the religious ladder. He was among the religious elite. You could say that he, he had everything, but he didn't have Jesus. And all of a sudden, he encountered Jesus on, on the road to Damascus. And if you all know the story, Jesus just changed his trajectory completely. Turns Paul in a totally different direction from being to live is Paul. It's all about Paul. It's all this inward focus to, from inward to upward to say, it's all about Jesus. To live is Christ. Now what, so much truth in that text, so much to chew on there, just in that one statement, to live is Christ. It sounds like bad grammar, doesn't it? Like, who writes that? To live is Christ? Like, I don't even get it. Like, what does that exactly mean? Do you mean to live for Christ? Do you mean to live with Christ? Is this maybe a, a, a mistake in the text? 
No, what he's saying is to live is Christ. In other words, my existence is so wrapped up in Jesus that that's what I'm all about. That's what my entire life is. It's Jesus. To live, as long as I'm breathing, it's for Jesus. As long as I'm still standing here, it's for Jesus. And every move that I make, every decision that I step out into, that's all for Jesus. The big, the small, everything that I do is for Jesus. And I'll be honest, as I was preparing this week for this message, and even this morning again, feeling the weight of this text and the weight of what this really means, I thought to myself, is that really true for me? Could I really say to live is Christ? Like my entire existence is Jesus. That's why I live and breathe and move. Every decision that I make is in honor of him, right, as he talks about here, that I could confidently say that that's what I'm all about. And the truth is, I could probably say that Christ is a part of my life, but could I really say that Jesus is life, that Jesus is everything that I am? He's primary. He's my primary pursuit. Everything else flows from my desire to want to honor and glorify Jesus. Let me give you just two filters to think about here. We ask the question, is my life honoring to Jesus? Is my life really aimed at Jesus? Am I pointed from inward to upward and outward so that I could glorify and bring more honor to Jesus? Here's two filters. Here's two questions to ask as you approach decisions in your life or as you evaluate areas of your life. Here's number one. Does this edify myself and others? Does this decision that I'm about to make, does this area of my life, does this thing that I'm doing, does this edify, does this build me up, and does it build the people around me up? That's question number one. Question number two is this, does this magnify Christ? Does this glorify Christ in the big and the small? When you sit down to watch that thing, does that honor and magnify Christ? Does that edify you? You get ready to send out that text message, right? Is this going to edify Christ? Is this going to build me up? That statement, that undercutting statement you just made to your wife, is that going to edify her? Is that going to honor Christ? Man, these are tough questions, right, that we need to sit under to say, does my life really reflect that? And in Colossians 3, 16 through 17, Paul challenges us with these words. The first one was really small, so we made it bigger. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word, what you speak, or what you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do I do everything that I do with gratitude? Does everything that I do really aim to magnify Jesus in every area of my life? Is that true for you? And here, let me just, kids are in the room today, kids and teenagers, we have a lot of kids and teenagers in the room, it's all in it. Let me give you guys, as you guys are sitting there, let me give you one way you can do this. Here's the main way you can do this right here in this stage of your life. You want to honor Jesus, honor your parents. You want to honor Jesus, listen to your parents. You want to honor Jesus, respect your parents. You want to honor Jesus, don't cop that attitude with your parents. Why? Because even in that decision, especially in that decision, it's reflective of my heart toward Jesus. Wait till you amen, because everybody's about to get hit, you know. All right. Husband, same thing, right? When we speak with our wives, when we... Decide, am I going to help in this way or not help in this way? In the big and the small decisions, 
And even when she's not doing the things that you want her to do it in the way that she wants that you want her to do those things, right? Even in those moments, why? Because it's not really, it's about her, but secondarily, primarily it's about am I honoring Christ with the, with the way that I act as a husband and the way that I treat my wife, the way that I raise my kids, the decisions that I make there. Ladies, same thing. Are you honoring your husband in that same way? Are you building him up? Are you edifying him? Are you respecting him in a way that brings glory and honor to God the Father? This is challenging, right? I mean, this one text, we can camp out here and say, am I really doing that? As a student in the classroom, am I doing that? Am I respecting my teachers in a manner that brings honor to Christ? Are the things that I'm watching on TV, does that really magnify and edify me? Does that really honor Christ? The places that I, I spend my time on Friday nights, is, it, is that really glorifying and edifying myself, and is that really bringing honor to Christ? It's just a valuable question, isn't it? Because in everything that I do, my chief aim, my primary pursuit is to honor Jesus in all that I do. You know, I was thinking this week, like, what's just a, who's a great example of this? And she's going to hate me for doing this, but... Um, I, I just continue to think about my wife, Jess. I mean, here's somebody that her primary pursuit is Jesus. Her, her focus is not inward, like, how does this affect me? How does this impact me, right? You can't really be that way as a mom. But she doesn't even claim to be that way. Instead, she serves us so selflessly. And you know why we benefit so much from her being in our life? is because her primary focus is upward, it's not inward. You see, her primary focus isn't even just us. Her primary focus is to give glory and honor to Jesus, to pursue him in all things. And because of that, we benefit to have her in our life because she wants to honor Jesus in all the things that she does. And trust me, I'm not easy to love. Some of you know me, know this, right? I'm difficult to love. And we have little ones that wake up, like, just all throughout the night. And a lot of times, I'll just be honest, there's, uh, the pillow just goes over my head, and I'm thinking, hope she's got this one, you know, I love you, babe. <laughs> I need to change that, right? But, and here she is, she wakes up, and she spends, and, you know, not to complain about it, but just to enjoy and seize these moments and find joy in these moments. Why? Because her chief joy is Jesus. And she knows that every one of these small opportunities is an opportunity to honor God and give praise and gratitude to him because of the gifts that he's given her in her life. There is no more seismic shift than a shift from inward to upward. To say, really, I'm just going to be all about Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, to live is Christ. So change your trajectory from inward to upward. That's the best way to seize joy is to say, you know what? The more I think about myself, the more depressing that kind of life is. So I need to turn from thinking about myself and how this impacts me to, man, how can I bring more honor and glory to Jesus? You want to talk about something that will change the rhythm of your life, and the internal reality. It's not focusing inward, it's focusing upward. Change your trajectory. The next thing we see from Paul, and this is a tough statement too, because the next part of this is, he says, to die is gain. Man, how many of us would say that? To live is Christ, but to die is gain. So, so many of us, we live for today, right? To actually say that I just can't wait to die. Like, that's even coming out of my mouth, that sounds like, wait, that. That sounds wrong. But here's what Paul is saying. Says, to die is gain. I know this. Because as a believer, I know what's in store for me. And so he goes through this whole series of just wrestling with it. I'm going to live in the flesh. I'm going to continue to be fruitful here. Um, but what I shall choose, I cannot. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. But that's far better. 
But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. In other words, he's saying, I'll stick around if I have to, you know, because of you guys. But, man, I just, he's like so much anticipation for what's to come. The second thing Paul does is he thinks long. And I know how hard this is, right? If you're in the middle of a difficult season right now, if you're in the middle of dealing with some great loss or some health issue, it is really hard to think beyond the here and the now. But if we could just get past that and continue to think long, we understand that, man, the best is yet to come. If we think eternally rather than temporarily, then we understand that this is just, man, this is just a short bump in the road compared to all of eternity. It's a tough perspective to get our heads around. I think about Father George, um, who's a, a, a priest in um, California, and if you hadn't heard about the two bombings um, on Palm Sunday uh, this, this uh, past year, um, two bombs exploded in Egypt. One was inside St. George's Church in Tanta, and one outside of St. Mark's in, um, in, in Alexandria. And Following that, and in response to that, this pastor, um, this priest in California, writes something in response to, to what has happened there. And here's what he says, and it's going to surprise you, and he even says, he says this, the first thing we will say is thank you very, very much, speaking to those that, that, that shot the bomb off. And you won't believe us when we say it. You know, why, why we thank you, I, I'll tell you. You won't get it, but believe us. You see, you gave us the same death as Christ, and this is the biggest honor we could have. Christ was crucified, and this is our faith. He died and was slaughtered, and this is our faith. You gave us, and you gave them to die. We thank you because you shortened the journey for us. When someone is heading home to a particular city, he keeps looking at the time. When will I get home? Are we there yet? Can you imagine if in an instant he finds himself on a rocket ship straight to his destination? You shortened the journey for us. Thank you for shortening the journey. Wow, I mean, imagine thinking about it that way to say, really, this is only a small part of our journey. The journey is so much longer. It's so much greater than this. If we could continue to get our minds around that, the things that we face today can grow smaller knowing that there's so much more to come. So whatever you face today, keep thinking long. It's all temporary. Maybe a rough ride, but infinite joy lies ahead. Paul writes these words to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, he says, so we don't lose heart. This is you. Whatever you're going through today, we don't lose heart. You know why? Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Joy is growing inside. Why? For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal a powerful thought isn't it Man, continue to think longer think about the things unseen think about what is in store for eternity that you might find joy in the here and now and as we read on in verses 25 and 26 not only should we change trajectory and think long but here we see paul celebrating something else and he's like hey listen if i'm going to stick around and remain in the flesh i think it is more necessary on your account so convinced of this i know that i will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in christ jesus because of my coming to you again and what he's saying is, hey, let's continue to take joy in the progress. Let's continue to make progress. 
There's something that just like making progress and the power of God helping us progress in one area or another that just reinvigorates us, isn't there? I'll tell you what, one of the things when I'm traveling that I really just have a hard time with. And uh, as we're heading out, and I'm like looking at the GPS, and some of you guys do this, and you look at the GPS, and you're like, challenge accepted, right? Like it tells me ETA this, I'm like, challenge accepted. I see you that, and I'm going to raise you 10 minutes, you know, or whatever. And so jump in the car, and we're making great, and I just can't help it. Like this is, I know, pray for me. I I have issues. But I'm getting on the road, and then I'm thinking, like, people start falling asleep. I'm like, check it out. When they wake up, I'm going to have them in Knoxville. It's going to blow their minds, you know. So we're driving. And then all of a sudden, the unexpected happens. Traffic. You're like, what? No way, you know. I was making such good time. And then you just watch that ETA going up, and you're like, I'm losing the game. And, like, I really get antsy. Like, for whatever reason, traffic just drives me crazy. And uh, I thought that was, like, the bottom of, of the barrel. That was the worst of the worst. And then you travel with kids, and you're like, it gets worse, you know, like traffic and then kids crying and having to go to the bathroom and needing a thousand things. And we were driving on this trip one time. We were actually heading from Lexington back up to Cincinnati, and it was like screaming in our car. We're in dead stop traffic, and I had this thought. I'm not proud of it. I thought, I wonder if I could just get out right now. Like, I'm driving. If I just put this thing in park, I could get out, and I could just start walking up the road. I, like, actually had that thought. Like, babe, you just, we're on the highway. That's fine. You jump in the, I got to get out of here. Like, I can't, I can't take it. And there's something just so frustrating about being stuck, right? And it was, like, in that moment as I had that thought where, like, it just opened up, like, the Red Sea. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Like, he he knew my breaking point, you know. So um, here we go, and then we're off and going again. But, man, nothing can be more frustrated than being stuck. And I think some of you can probably relate to this in the sense that you feel spiritually stuck. Like you've been making so much progress, and maybe you started out and all was going well. You're like, yeah, Jesus, like I'm living for him. I'm trying to do everything I can to bring him more honor and glory, and I'm growing in the Lord. And then all of a sudden you hit this, this plateau, and you're like, what happened? Like why am I stuck all of a sudden? And, and we all have those moments. We all go through those seasons. And as I was thinking about this, I know that God wants me to progress, right? We call that, the big spiritual word for it is sanctification. That God wants us to continue to look more and more like Jesus, that he wants us to grow and progress. And the question really is, like, how much do I actually want that? Because that's the true question. If God wants me to progress, then it's not that I'm not waiting on him necessarily. I need to continue to want it more and more. Francis Chan writes, and this was convicting to read, You are as close to God as you want to be right now. You're as close to God as you want to be right now. How much do you actually want to be in a relationship with him? How close do you actually want to be to him? Because he wants it. And if we're really going to see progress, the kind of progress that Paul says he takes joy in here, it starts with pursuit. It starts with this pursuit of Jesus. Because what we learned last week is it's not me that carries out the progress. It's not Josh began a good work in himself, and he'll see, hopefully get it through it, because that doesn't work, right? We've all tried that attempt to say, I'm going to just kind of do my best at this thing. What did, the, the verse that we learned last week, that was our scripture verse last week, was, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion, because he's faithful. So we need to continue to reorient our lives in a way that is all around Jesus so that he can carry out the progress in us. One of my favorite things to get to do is, um, is to coach CrossFit. And um, 
it's cool because we have a lot of people. We've really tried to make CrossFit accessible just to anyone. So we have a lot of people that come in, and they have never done just fitness stuff in their life. And getting to watch them continue to progress each step of the way and do things they never thought was possible is just so cool. One of the things that we do for folks is we have this bell that hangs over there. And anytime somebody hits a new milestone or a new mark, they do something they've never done before. They lift a weight that they've never lifted before. Or they do some skill that they, you know, jumping rope or whatever else. Or they're like, this is crazy, doing handstands or whatever else. And they're like, I've never done that before. They just come and they, they hit that bell. And then everybody in the gym just celebrates that moment with them and say, yeah, you killed that. You got it. And it's just such a cool moment because we're celebrating all that time and effort that's gone into continuing to progress and so we continue to take joy in the progress even cooler than that is getting to be a pastor getting to be a part of you guys with you guys on your journey and watch the kind of progress that happens when we say not by my power but God come in and do something in my life and I've had the opportunity to just see somebody who's maybe hasn't paid any attention to God who's come over and said, I want, I want my life to be changed. I want what Jesus has to offer me. And so they come up out of that water to this gift of new life, and we say, ring that bell, right? Ring that bell because that's progress, and we're going to continue to make progress along the way. And for some of you that have just maybe had these lives where you just got this, like, deep seeds of anger, but little by little, step by step, Jesus has given you victory over those areas of anger and bitterness. And you say, yeah, let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate what God's doing as he brings progress in your life. And some of you, you guys, when, when you first came to Axis, your marriage was not where it is today. And because of the power of God, he's done something in your marriage that you never could have done on your own. And so we celebrate that, right? We say, thanks be to God for the progress that he is bringing in my life. And on and on we can share these stories, and you know your story, you know what once was and what now is, and maybe it's just been baby steps, maybe it's just been small victories, but we continue to celebrate what God is carrying out in us and among us, because there's nothing like spiritual progress to continue to give us joy, to say, let's keep going, let's keep trucking here, gang, and that's what Paul is saying. Let's keep making progress. Let's keep moving forward. Let's get unstuck and let's pursue Jesus like we're pursuing him for the first time all over again. Let's continue to choose joy along the way. And one of the greatest joys of the journey is this. It's it's those wins along the way, right? Thanks be to God for all that he has done. Here's the question I really want you to chew on as we begin to wrap up is this. What's the next step for you? What's that next step of progress? For those of you that feel stuck right now, what do you got to do? Maybe you're like, I know what I got to do. I got, we got to start doing some study in my family with, with the kids. Or, or maybe for some of you guys, it's like, as a, we just need to pray together as, as, as a husband and wife. Some of you, you know that, you know what, my attitude is horrible, and I just need to continue to ask God to redeem those areas. For some of you, you deal with discouragement and you need God to breathe new life into you. You need to make a little progress there. What is that step for you that you could take that step closer to Jesus and say, give me progress in this. Do what I couldn't do on my own. And let's keep making room for God's power to be at work among us. Let's keep celebrating those stories of what God is doing. Let's keep moving forward with joy on the journey. I'm going to invite, the band's going to start to make their way up here now. And 
as I'm thinking about joy, and if I really had to think about an example of joy in my life, it would be my grandmother. And my grandmother, she, she went through a lot in her life. She dealt with a lot of challenges. She lost a son. She lost several people that were just really close to her, that she invested a lot into their lives, and just the difficulty of that. Um, she, she just had all kinds of different challenges and, and faced different things. And one of the greatest challenges she faced at the end of her life um, was a battle with dementia. And this is difficult to watch as a family member, right, to, to see those capacities, those mental capacities that she had slip away. Um, and as I watched all that and as I watched her experience just so much loss in her journey, here's something she never lost, joy. She never lost joy. And even in those moments where the dementia was, was taking over in a, in a big way, she continued to sing songs. She would, one of my favorite things to do with her is just to sing songs and hymns. And I love my grandma because she would, you sit back on the back porch with her, and she would just think you were the funniest thing ever, you know. And she would, she would laugh and joy and, and just enjoy these moments like they were truly a gift. And I just thought... <coughs> If there was one thing that I could just really, if, if she could just give me that, if I could just have that in the way that she had that, man, that would be an incredible thing. If I could just enjoy the journey like she did. And the day that she died, I remember um, just how much I missed her, you know, and how much I just respected this about her. And I just recounted all of those days of just spending time with her. And I just pictured that, you know, that even in those moments that, Man, she was experiencing joy like she never had before, and I just, I took heart in that. And I remember driving over to Endeavor Learning Center, where Access met at the time, and this is where the funeral was going to be, and on the radio was this song that I'll never forget. It's like she was speaking right to me. And here's the words of the song. It's a song by the Sidewalk Prophets. It says, last time we spoke, you said you were hurting, and I felt your pain in my heart. I want to tell you that I kept, keep on praying, love will find you where you are. I know because I've already been there. So please hear these simple truths. Be strong in the Lord and never give up hope. You're going to do great things, I already know. God's got his hand on you, so don't live life in fear. Forgive and forget, but don't forget why you're here. Take time and pray. These are the words that I would say. From one simple life to another, I will say, come find peace in the Father. And that's the invitation, friends. Come find peace in the Father. Come find joy in the Father. There's no greater joy than knowing Jesus. There's nowhere else that we could really experience the joy ride than in relationship with Jesus.